the reading this morning is from Luke 10, verses 38 to the end. At the home of Martha and Mary, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, also, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been to be that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work for herself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is the better, and it will mean not to be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Does anyone know the significance of the pink aeroplane, or is it just to make me feel like I'm at home with toys scattered around my feet? <laughs> Shall we pray? Lord, open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Amen. It's a funny thing, sitting down to write a sermon which talks about someone busying themselves and getting distracted, when you are very aware how easily that happens to you. God was having a good chuckle as I sat at my computer, looking up at the various things that needed tidying away, and with my mind distracted by WhatsApp notifications about NSN, and wondering how on earth we're going to manage to get everything ready in order to, to survive a fast-approaching week of camping. I definitely identify with Martha, although I would like to think I can be like Mary too. There's an image which is going to appear on the screen. Not that one. <laughs> A different one. This one. This is an image depicting the scene in our reading today. A friend showed me this, and as soon as I saw it, I knew that I had to show it. It depicts the scene beautifully. It's a piece by Mary Fleeson, an artist who lives on Lindisfarne, the Holy Island, and the piece features in her book, Life in Christ, which within a few minutes of flicking through it, it went on my books I have to own list. And through this book, she seeks to encourage us to be in God's presence in all that we do. There's that focus on bright white in the middle that draws us towards Jesus with Mary sat at his feet. It's a picture of peacefulness, but there's an intensity to it. And then there's this colored blur around the edges, and that's Martha. Anyone here feel like that colored blur sometimes? What I like about this is the contrast between the portrayal of Jesus and Mary and Martha, but the beauty that is in both styles, and the fact that one wouldn't look quite the same without the other. Today's reading is often used to provide a moralistic tale of how we shouldn't be too busy we shouldn't be too focused on work or worrying about different things. But it's not all about that. Jesus certainly valued Martha's hospitality, but he doesn't love her because she serves him. He loves her for who she is. His love is the only thing that is necessary, and he is inviting Martha to sit, to be still, 
to learn more about his love for her. Jesus' response to Martha's complaint that Mary isn't helping isn't a harsh criticism. Martha tried to tell Jesus that he should be asking Mary to help her. But Jesus' response is a gentle voice acknowledging Martha's worry and concern with many things, but affirming Mary's choice to sit with him. He is inviting Martha into his presence. The story cuts short, and we don't find out whether Martha does actually sit down or whether she continues to run around in a blur. Maybe Martha didn't see herself as worthy to sit and gaze up at Jesus. Maybe she saw her role as serving. Mary, in sitting at Jesus' feet, was doing the thing that would normally be expected of men at the time, and Martha was fulfilling the woman's role. Perhaps this is why Martha assumed Mary should be helping too. But Jesus doesn't impose a stereotypical woman's role on either of the women. He just tries to make it clear what the focus should be at that moment. Regardless of our gender, we can all behave like a Martha at times. We live in a world that is driven by results and achievement and where we judge our success and the success of others. We talk about productivity, we talk about reaching goals. And it's not to say that in these things we can't encounter Jesus, but we need to be careful that we don't let this interfere with our encounter, that we don't hurry around making preparations without taking the time to sit and be. We are all invited to sit at Jesus' feet. Yes, we are called to serve, but first and foremost is this invitation to sit at his feet. Now, at some point or another when sermon writing, I invariably end up on Google, easily distracted, see? But I found this picture, it's the one that came up first of all. It says, busy is the new happy. That's quite a statement, isn't it? And once upon a time, I think I would have agreed with this. As human beings, we can fall into a trap of measuring our self-worth by what we have achieved. It's very easy to get ourselves stuck in something called the cycle of works. I don't know how many people are familiar with this, but I'll do my best to explain it. This is something I first heard about when I did a deepening discipleship course. I remember it was Richard Brady who spoke about it, and it really stuck with me because I realized how much it fitted with me and how I lived my life. In the cycle of works, we begin from a place of trying to achieve. And with that sense of achievement, we see ourselves as being more significant in the world and worthy in some way, which at the last stage of the cycle means that we eventually reach acceptance. And our natural tendency is to strive to be accepted, to do enough to be accepted. I remember hearing about this and thinking, yes, that's me, that's how life works, right? Well, there is another way. It's a path that doesn't begin with achievement and instead starts with knowing the deep, transforming love that God has for all of us. It's not a love based on anything we do. The cycle of grace unlike the cycle of works, begins with acceptance. We are all loved children of God, and God will sustain us. 
God sees us all as incredibly significant. And although achievement is still a part of the cycle of grace, it's the last step rather than the starting point. If we are in this cycle, our achievements flow from the acceptance and love and grace that God pulls out over all of us. All in all, it's a much better place to be. Martha's worry and distraction by all her tasks prevent her from being truly present with Jesus. The one thing that Martha needs is to sit in the presence of Jesus and receive from him. She does not need to complete the tasks she is doing in order to be valued. It's not about how well she does it, but about who she is. She is a child of God. You know that worship song we sing, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That song is a brilliant reminder of how loved and accepted we all are. We don't need to do anything other than be in Jesus' presence. There is nothing I can do or that you can do that will change the fact that we are all children of God. There is nothing we can do that will take away from that. That's the core of our identity right there. And neither will God love us more if we make the best roast dinner, keep a spotless show home of a house, if we gain qualifications, if we get promoted, if we're employee of the year, mother of the year, you get the picture. Nothing that we can achieve or strive to achieve will make any difference to how God sees us. So this message of busy being the new happy is one of the many dangerous messages that exists in our society. Google really wanted to sell me a mug, a t-shirt, a handy mouse mat with this message on. I wonder how many people live by that message. I came across a quote by Adrian Rogers, who was a well-known American pastor. He said, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If we're busy, we risk not making time for Jesus. We risk turning away. We risk missing out on Jesus and that amazing love and acceptance that is found in turning to and in submitting to Christ. At the ladies' conference that was held here last Saturday, I found myself surrounded by other people who were saying they were Martha's. We reflected in one of the seminars about how we feel when we're in church versus how we feel when we're outside church. There was quite a contrast. That's not to say that we automatically become holier for being in this place. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. But being here means we stop. We are consciously coming together to meet with God. We come expectant of encounter. We come seeking safety, peace, stillness, time to praise, time to be. But outside of church, we have jobs to do, chores that need doing. We're tired, we're stressed. We need this place and we need to make time for Jesus in our everyday lives. I spoke on that day to several people about how difficult it is not to be busy. There are certain times in our lives where we find ourselves suddenly with less to do. 
how much is it a human reaction to those times to want to take on new things, to fill our time? Are we busy because sometimes this, this helps us to ignore any pain, frustration, emptiness? It's quite a difficult question, but I can imagine we can all think of times when we pushed on with work or a project of some kind to fill a hole left by something or someone. If we find ourselves caught up in busyness in the way of that cycle of works I mentioned, then eventually it will lead to burnout. If your sense of self-worth and acceptance are hinged on the doing and achieving, then when you stop the doing and achieving, you lose your sense of self-worth and acceptance. Now, I prayed a lot about whether to share some of my testimony with you this morning, and the phrase leap of faith kept coming at me, so here we go. This is exactly what happened to me. I moved to Kent, far away from family and friends, back in 2011. Nick, my now husband, was working abroad all week, and I worked full-time in a new school, teaching French, teaching music, being a sixth-form tutor. I led the school choir. I organized a Christmas shoebox campaign. I did evening Spanish classes, which involved driving to Dover for three hours of teaching in an evening. And that was so I could take an exam to be able to teach it the following year. I filled my time with as much as I could to distract from the fact that I was alone. I was in a new place. I wasn't really sure who I was or where I fitted in, other than that I could achieve. I had been told I was an outstanding teacher. I knew how to do that. I kept this up for four months, and then I reached the Christmas holidays. I got ill with tonsillitis. And then when it came to the end of the holidays, I didn't have the energy that I needed to go back to work. I went back for a week or so, and then I started getting back pain, leg pain, and eventually I reached a point where I couldn't walk without being in a huge amount of pain. I had a walking stick, and at the worst point, I had a wheelchair because otherwise I wouldn't have gone out of the house. I was on all sorts of medication, I was really low, and because I wasn't doing and achieving, in fact, in my eyes, I was very much failing and letting people down, I didn't have any sense of self-worth. It was a long road. I was desperate for a diagnosis. I tried various therapies, and at a few points along the way, various people, incidentally one from this very church, suggested that maybe I should go to church. Maybe God could help. I have always prayed, and I have always considered myself a Christian, but somehow, at this time, I didn't feel able to go to church. Within this time, we somehow managed to get a very hard-to-find rental property right in the middle of the conservation area in Whitstable, which was pretty much in the back garden of St. Alfred's Town Church. And now I look back, I can see God's hand in the fact that we lived there. And one day, when this had all been going on well over a year, I had a vision of me standing at the front speaking in church. A little bit strange, I'd never been in, but I saw that as a sign. 
And that Sunday, I walked into church with my walking stick, terrified that my legs would give way or that someone would tell me I didn't deserve to be there. And I immediately knew that it was the right thing. And that was a turning point. It was about turning to Jesus, making time for him, in, on the road of understanding that I am deeply loved and accepted. Part of that turning to Jesus was about acknowledging the difficult stuff that kept me busy. I actually made myself so busy that it took quite a lot to get me to slow down. It was the physical pain that I was in that made me acknowledge all the hurt and emotional pain I was feeling. And God welcomed me like a long-lost daughter, and what followed was an amazing journey of healing that meant that when I got confirmed in June 2013, I didn't take my walking stick. And after that, I didn't need it. I couldn't have believed then that I would ever be able to run I give thanks to God every time I run for the fact that I can. And that is a great time for me to pray and to worship and just to be in God's presence. In stopping the busyness, in admitting that I am very good at distracting myself from what really needs my attention, I found Jesus. And in him, I have found the most amazing love, acceptance, and healing. And it's a healing journey that continues because God just doesn't just stop there. And we are all a work in progress, aren't we? I truly can't imagine what it would be like to go back to living the other way now. I need to be aware of my tendency to be a Martha and to sometimes slip into that cycle of works mentality. But that's okay, I'm human. I want everyone to know how awesome God is and the transforming power of his love. Now, I'm still learning about stillness. Taking time to sit at Jesus' feet. It can be about worship. It can be about coming together in this place, making time to talk to people and to truly listen. But sitting at Jesus' feet is also a call to be still to take time in silent prayer. This can be a challenge, firstly, to find the time and space, and secondly, to not get distracted. But making time for silent prayer continues to deepen my relationship with God. In times of silent prayer, I have found myself both smiling and sobbing. Sometimes pictures or lines of scripture come, sometimes not but there is always that overwhelming sense of warmth that God is there. Praying in this way leaves me refreshed, energized, and rested. Sometimes I have to force myself to put down my phone, turn off the TV, stop working. It's about discipline. It's about making the right choice, just like the choice that Mary made. She chose the one thing that is needed. Coming to Jesus will refresh us and restore us. It is what sustains us. 
a song that kept coming to me throughout the week this week was, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The words tell us that the earthly things become less important when we are surrounded by his glory and grace. Because Jesus is all we need. So whilst I am likely to spend next week being quite busy preparing for going camping at NSN, and whilst I am sure we will forget something, in order to survive a truly out-of-my-comfort-zone experience, I will have need of only one thing. If you know me, you could be forgiven for thinking I'm in coffee. But no, not that. The only thing I truly need is Jesus. In fact, Jesus is the reason I am going because I want to encounter God. I want to grow in my faith. I want to go deeper into that relationship. Our lives don't always allow us to be still. But there is always an opportunity to make a choice that will draw us closer to Jesus. And in making that choice to come to him, to sit at his feet, we are opening ourselves to that amazing love, freedom, and healing that can only truly be found in Christ. Amen.